How would you like your time, Nicole? Um, I'd like uh, 10 minutes. And mute yourself, Nicole. Oh. <laughs> uh, Eileen, if you could let me know, like, I'm also timing myself. So maybe just five minutes at the end, towards the end. That would be great. Okay. Um, uh, so just, yeah, all right. Um, first thing I always like to do, okay, first, um, thank you, uh, Vicki, for asking me to lead. Um, I almost said no, and I'll get into that. Um, I want to uh, pray that I say something that's of service. Uh, to this meeting um, and to you uh, uh, specifically and individually and that I get out of the way and that I learn to um, just carry the message. Uh, I'm uh, really happy to be here. I haven't been here since Eileen started the meeting and then um, I have other conflicts during this time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of my intro. Um, I am feeling very uh, watery, which is my word for um, the tears are always very close to the surface. And um, what I want to talk about today is a couple things, um, and we'll see what comes out. But definitely step one, you want to know, like, <laughs> what's the topic? Um, it, the topic is powerlessness. And the topic is um, step one, you know, that um, it's it's one thing to be powerless. It's completely different thing to acknowledge and accept the extent of my powerlessness. And that that for me is why the principle behind step one is honesty. I cannot. I cannot build my house on of recovery on a lie, on a denial, on delusion. You know, every step, the step one is foundational. Um, and so the more that I accept the truth of who I am, my abilities, my inabilities, um, and also where I'm at with as many years as I have. So for... People who don't know, my, this is not my first 12-step program. So I my recovery anniversary date is October 27, 1993. Um, I came in ACOA Al-Anon, which is kind of funny because a lot of people go into OA and then go ACA Al-Anon, and I inverted that. Um, and I joined uh, OA in 1998. And I do have significant weight loss, which is, as everyone says, the most boring part of my story. Um, but it is the thing that drove me in here because I came in and that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. And, um, it makes me think of a quote. There's another, um, there's a better quote. And if I find it and think of it, I'll put it in the chat. That's more spiritual and whatever. But, um, a different quote that's about the same thing is from Henry Ford. And he says, um, if I would have asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Um, and that's kind of like me when I came in. Uh, you know, if, if, if you came in and if you'd asked me what I wanted, I, I would have just said I wanted to be thin. You know, please, 
I would have specifically, I'm, you know, a bit of a nerd. I would have said, can you please give me metabolism that is so fast that no matter what I eat, it never shows up on my body. Because what I wanted was I wanted to be able to eat anything I wanted without consequence. And, um, and that's why actually my disease, I've gone through two major relapses in recovery. The first one, um, it was not as significant as the, or the first one is actually the most significant one. That's when my, um, healing work in recovery led to discovering some, um, each with, it seems like as my body got smaller and smaller, um, you know, more emotional stuff that I was eating over. It's like excavation. It's like archaeology. You know, I'm not someone who came in and lost all the weight and then did the work. I, and I worked my ass off in this program. People who know me know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm right on the precipice of Work Addicts Anonymous. Like I could probably get in there and relate, but I have enough recovery in other programs that it's like, well, if I had gone like 10 years ago, I would have been definitely in that program. But you can't, you can't scare me with work. Like, oh, Nicole, you're going to have to really work in this program. I'm a Capricorn. Don't even try to scare me with work. So, you know, for me, it was, I lost 10 pounds every two years. And that's because every, it, the, the way that I think of it is every bite of food that I took that was emotional um, eating, I then had to process those emotions. I wasn't allowed in, for me to just lose the weight and skip processing the emotions. And then eventually I got down to my smallest size and I had trauma memories come up and that annihilated me. So that's my first relapse. My second relapse, um, was, you know, uh, I think like five, six years ago. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of that, but again, it was another layer of, um, basically whenever I relapse, it's because my two major relapses is that I have suddenly completely lost all faith in my concept of a higher power. And basically like my um, life circumstances get bigger than my concept of a higher power and I take my will back. And more than that, <clears throat> my life circumstances are such that I'm angry at my higher power. And then I revert back to the behavior that I did as a kid was that um, in my case, my mom was um, Jane Fonda. She's an aerobics instructor, professional one. And all she wanted was a daughter that um, was a cheerleader. And I was the exact opposite of that. I was sort of like baby Huey with a leather jacket and a slide ruler. I mean, I was just like, we just did not understand each other. And so I would eat at my mom and I would eat at my parents. And also um, I had a lot of neglect growing up. And so I was lonely a lot. Um, both my parents were alcoholics. And so then I would eat, you know, at, for comfort. So anyway, so fast forward to what's going on with me today. Um, what's going on with me today is, is that I have gained weight. And, you know, how I've gained weight is I've had a, I have a chronic health issue. And with the quarantine, um, as soon as the quarantine hit, my gym membership's out the door. So um, as of last November, my health just um, really took a turn for the, I have a, you know, not for the worst. I'm not like, but the quality of my life 
every every moment spent dealing with my health issues, dealing with um, trying just to keep my health issues at a place where I can function, where I can have a job, um, and my activity level is non-existent. And so I've had to deal with since last November um, my body size uh, getting uh, bigger. Um, you know, today is about 13 pounds. On top of that, I want to address um, that, and I want to just do a sidebar for this because I do think it's worth talking about, which is is that I remember coming in and wondering why, and I hear this a lot, which is why I want to talk about it. So young women come in and they're like, OA is just full of a bunch of old fat women. And um, and it's like, okay, I, I remember hearing that. And then, you know, but again, I, I, I don't really remember that. That wasn't my experience. But I have gone to meetings where it's all these older women, you know. And here's, and I don't want to get political on this, but this is the reality that I'm beginning to understand now that I am an older woman, is, is that it's very natural for women's bodies to change. And it's very natural for them, you know, to get a little softer, you know, every decade. And now I get why when I was younger and Kate Moss and all of a sudden all the models started to become like these prepubescent girls. Now I get why all the older women were so mad about that. You know, because women's bodies don't stay that way. And that's why even models today who are gorgeous, like they're not allowed to model after 26 because their own bodies, these gorgeous women, their own bodies will get softer and softer and softer. And so for me, um, I came in part of my body image dysmorphia was not only that I was supposed to be to have a body that looked like some of these images but that I was supposed to keep that body until I died. And that's a lie. You know, that's a lie. And um, and that it's actually totally healthy for me to have a metabolism that slows down. And that, yeah, my body's going to get a little softer, you know, at whatever rate. Now, I have been maintaining my abstinence. And I've been eating healthy because of my... Um, uh, because of my health issues, I'm on a pretty strict health food thing. You know what I mean? So I haven't gained weight out of overeating. I've gained weight out of lack of exercise. And I have to deal with that. I have to wake up feeling like I'm a little bit heavier in my body. And I'm in a way, you know, like it messes with my fucking head. And I have to practice just like, so here's where I'm at with step one, which is, you know, and I've got some new doctors and we're, we're doing some stuff and that's great. I have to really practice like, you know what, God, my body is not my business, my body size, I should say the size of my body, how many, how much fat molecules I know that I am over here doing what I need to do. And it's very hard to have an eating disorder, body image dysmorphia, and health issues about this body. Like where I'm at is just feeling really powerless 
over relating to my body and I want so badly to just be so grateful for my body. I want to love it. It's sort of as if I had a foster child that are not even a foster child. If I had a child that I want to love so badly and I see how beautiful and magical my child is, but I'm been brainwashed by society about what my child is supposed to look like. And so even as I go to hug and love my child, I'm my brain is telling me how they're not enough, how they don't look right, how they're not doing this, right, they're not this, they're not this. And I and that's what my brain is doing because it's been fucking brainwashed. And then and yet I want to my heart doesn't give a shit about any of that. And I just want to love my child and say, "You are amazing and I'm so grateful for you. And there's so much about you that is just phenomenal." And you know what? Honey, you're sick and we're going to get through this together and it's okay. And the powerlessness that I feel around is what I feel about that right now. I'm powerless over my body image dysmorphia. I'm powerless over the toxicity that I have internalized from this, you know, friggin' culture. And I'm powerless over the fact that I actually still have ideas of wanting to just be like, fuck it, I can't do that. This is too hard. This is too hard. It's too hard to be sick. It's too hard to keep going and doing all of this stuff. It's too hard to deal with like once again, all of this is bringing up childhood trauma for me. I'm like, when is this going to end? And it's like, it's, it's not ending. You know, you guys, it's just, it's not ending. I'm 51 years old. I've been in here since, you know, been in recovery since I was 23. I work a really hard program. I have amazing friends, some of whom I'm looking at right now. You know, I have amazing sponsees. I have amazing people in my life. I have the quality of life that I hear other people. I'm like, I don't have those issues. I don't feel less than. I don't feel like I don't have real friends. I don't feel alone. I don't feel like, I mean, there are so many things I hear people talk about that I'm like, I don't, that's, that's not... You know, but what I do have is I have an eating disorder, I have body image dysmorphia, and I have PTSD, and I have health issues. And I have to, and they're all fucking related. They're all related. And every morning I wake up and it's, I do the third step prayer, and I pray to be of service. I pray to, you know, because that's the thing, like me being of service, like this is why when Vicky called or text or whatever she did, whatever communication we have these days, um, and said, you know, would you lead? I thought, I thought two things. I thought like, I don't know if I'm in a place to carry the message. (laughs) I don't know if I'm in a place to carry the message. And then I thought, I thought three things. I thought, you know, um, a reasonable request. So for people who don't know, that's an AA thing. Like you always say yes to a reasonable request. And then I thought, you know, maybe this is God reaching. Five minutes, Nicole. Thank you. Maybe this is God reaching the hand back to me and saying, you know, you don't have to be riding high to lead a meeting. Because, I mean, my sponsees know that I'm, I am so transparent with my sponsees because I'm just like, that's where my first major relapse happened was that I believed 
that if I worked this program and if I did 12 step and if I worked it, you know, and did everything and I crossed the I's and put the T's that somehow it would make me immune to life's tragedies that by developing a relationship to a higher power, that that relationship to my higher power would be like this force field that shit would happen to other people, but that my higher power would send me little like, you know, radar things around like, don't walk down that street because something bad's going to happen over there. My higher power would, you know, and I have moments like that where it's like, whoa, I almost did that. But an intuitive thought took me there. Well, I thought that it's like if I work this program, you know, that I would get a get out of jail free card. It's like life's not going to happen to me because I'm in recovery and I work super hard. So I'm only allowed to have the good things in life because I've gone through some fucking shit, you know? And so, and that's not, you know, that's not how this works. So I guess I'm here just to sort of represent that life still happens. I work my program every day. I stick to my food plan. Um, I have a friend who we relate a lot on this stuff. And so we've started, we got the um, OA workbook. We're going through it together. Um, I'm now, I've started talking to my sponsor once a week instead of once every other week or whatever. I mean, I just throw myself into my program because without it, um, I'll start to feel really sorry for myself. And that's never, never a good place. Also, without it, I will lose the possibility of step two. And I'll end with this in case anyone wants to tag on this. So in going through the steps again, my friend and I were sort of, we're finishing up step one and I was talking to my guru, um, who's got like 35 years. Um, and she talked about, I always talked about step two as hope because it's in the book. It's like, that's what's in the book and it resonates for me. And she talked about how, um, she couldn't think of step two as hope because it was just a little bit too sentimental for her. And so what she thought of was she thought of step two as possibility. And she thought of, and then when she explained that to me, she said, you know, do you have a light switch that you can look at? And I said, yeah. Do you believe that the possibility is if you flip that light switch on, that light will come on? I said, yeah. She's like, that's how I had to hold step two. I couldn't hold it as hope for whatever reason she couldn't hold it. I had to hold step two is the possibility exists that I will get through this, whatever. And, um, and that's kind of where I'm at is that the possibility exists that I will get through that. Now get what is getting through it mean? I don't know. There's no guarantees, guarantees about that, but whatever I get through, I can say that on the other side of whatever I get through will be me the love for myself, the love for my body, the love for my tribe, the love for my amazing fucking friends, you know, the love for my life, my community, my posse, my fellowship. That's what's on the other side. Um, and so with that, I'm actually going to go ahead and end. So thank you again for letting me share and thank you for being my fellowship.